It's my distinct pleasure to welcome back our governor, Ned Lamont, to talk about some of the issues going on in the state of Connecticut. Governor, first time we've talked since your inauguration and your state of the state address. Just going to recap a little bit about what some of the key points were that you told us about in your state of the state address. Hey, good morning, Wayne. Good morning, everybody. Um, we did the state of the state uh, going back a couple of weeks, and that leads up to our budget address, which is in uh, 10 days. You know, what I tried to say is that um, Connecticut turned a corner, and coming out of COVID and coming out of uh, some tough times, it's no longer about rescue, it's about recovery. It's about giving everybody um, the very best economic opportunity, and that means getting our economy growing again. And as our economy grows, that means opportunity for everybody. And I laid out some broad themes about how we get there, and I'll be more detailed in a couple of weeks. Yes, and you talked about that budget coming up in 10 days or so. As you see it right now, are we looking good as far as the state finances are concerned? Yeah, I think we are still in the best position we've been in in many years. You know, knock on wood, there's the potential of a recession and there are some rising interest rates. So you see, you know, some modest layoffs out there, but we still have more jobs than people looking for jobs. And our revenues are holding up pretty well, so we'll have a not only a balanced budget, but some surplus at the end of this fiscal year, which allows us to pay down more of our long-term debt. A week ago, you announced a 2023 legislative proposal taking action to eliminate gun violence, and you've got round two of that coming up today. I know you'll be making the formal announcement later on, but can you give a little insight as to what new things you'll be talking about today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a proliferation of illegal guns out there on the street, first and foremost. So we're uh, continuing to crack down on those illegal ghost guns. Those are the ones you get by mail and put together yourself and are untraceable. Uh, we've been pretty tough about saying um, people carrying loaded weapons um, uh, in public carry at a public place is uh, probably dangerous and provocative. And today we're going to be talking about, um, A, probably better to be 21 than younger before you go out and buy that um, uh, wet, that gun. And uh, secondly, uh, just closing some of the loopholes when it comes to uh, assault weapons. Nobody's going to anybody's house. Nobody's taking away anybody's gun. We just want to make sure none of them could be uh, sold in, the, uh, in Connecticut. Yes, your announcement last week talked about investing an additional $2.5 million in community violence intervention programs, banning the open carrying of firearms in public while continuing to allow concealed carry with a permit except in particular locations, limiting handgun purchases to one per month to discourage straw purchases, and as you said, updating the state's ban on unregistered ghost guns to stop their illegal flow. What do you see as the prospect of all these getting through? I think pretty good. I I think that, um, look, we're respecting people's uh, right to, um, you know, own guns and keep them safely at their homes. Uh, Nobody's jeopardizing that, but we're doing everything we can to make our um, streets a little bit safer for people. And as you pointed out, Wayne, the most important thing we're doing is continuing to um, uh, go after those uh, young folks who maybe could be steered towards a life of violence, give them a better opportunity give them a di- you know, diversion programs to help them get the state through, keep them um, out of harm's way. Is it significant that your press conference today about eliminating gun violence is going to be at a hospital, St. Francis Hospital? 
Well, it's at a a trauma center, and um, we've got a a lot of uh, shootings in our state and around the country. Obviously, we're a lot less than um, 90% of the other states, but it still is very concerning. So you go to a trauma center, you're there with the docs, and they remind you these guns can be dangerous, especially in the wrong hands. We had a rash of catalytic converter thefts about a year or so ago, and then you made some proposals to try to make it tougher for people to sell those parts. Well, we had another one, 12 or so, taken from that school bus yard in East Hartford. So at this point in time, what actually is the law, and how can we make it tougher for people to steal catalytic converters? Uh, Well, fortunately, that case notwithstanding, um, the theft has gone down a little bit. And one of the reasons is um, we're making it a lot tougher to sell these things. You used to be able to go on eBay or go to a body parts place uh, um, store and to sell these things, they'd be resold pretty quickly. We've shut that down. We're we're working with New York. They've done the same thing, making it a lot tougher for you to, um, you know, resell these things. Another story from the last week was uh, the Lego people leaving Enfield and going up to the Boston area. Your thoughts on that and something that I saw on Twitter, can't always believe what you see on Twitter, but they said that actually Lego is going to Boston where the taxes are higher than they are in Connecticut. Yeah, that was not a tax-driven decision. Um, It's too bad. We love Lego. Lego's been here in this state for, um, you know, about 50 years. They already had some existing facilities. They wanted to consolidate. They had moved a manufacturer. They started their manufacturing in Virginia. So um, we were a bit of an outlier. You know, the good news is the owner of that building's got big plans for it to rebuild it, redevelop it, and uh, get a new tenant in there. That's obviously a few years off, but um, it's going to be a smooth transition. I wish Lego well. Inquiring minds want to know, Governor, when you were a kid, were you a Lego guy or were Legos not around? I don't remember having them when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, we had Lego. Um, probably has a little more Tinker Toy. <laughs> yeah, Slinky, Erector Sets, all those good Lincoln Logs, things like that. What's your thought now, looking in the rearview mirror from a couple of weeks ago, of the rollout of the recreational cannabis sales? I think we've done it cautiously, and um, I think we've done it pretty well. Thanks to consumer protection, um, they started with those that um, were doing medical marijuana. So it's a tightly regulated market. Those folks knew what they were doing. There didn't seem to be long lines. Um, and uh, now we're going to uh, slowly roll out with the social equity applicants as well over the course of the rest of this year. So far, so good. And uh, hopefully it takes the black market out of the game. What's your reaction to what some of the Republicans have been saying about how we need more measures for cannabis safety, including better child-proof packaging? Look, we're happy to look at any of these ideas. Um, You know, right now we have probably uh, the most regulated marketplace, very strict about packaging, very strict about marketing, very strict about um, showing what your age is. So we're cautious on that. Let's give it a year or so, I'd say, to see how it works. And if there's some improvements we've got to make, let's do it. How goes the technology in trying to develop a way to see whether people are high on cannabis the way that we have breathalyzers for alcohol? Here's what the cops tell me, Wayne. Um, look, they're, they're moving that way, and there are ways to identify if somebody is, um, you know, smoke marijuana. But they say, look. I can pull over anybody I want to for distracted or dangerous driving. And generally, um, if they're 
you know, on something. It's probably a cocktail of uh, alcohol, Ambien, um, maybe marijuana. You know, we hadn't even legalized marijuana at that point. Um, so we got to be very cautious. And they're sitting on their social media. So it's less important um, exactly why they're distracted driving. Most important, get them off the road. Let me take a little visit to the COVID department here. The statewide test positivity rate yesterday was down to 9.4%. It was up to 18 about a month or so ago. And we've got 131 fewer patients hospitalized in the last week, down to 503. But in the last seven days, 43 new deaths are reported. So it's still a thing out there. But a listener wanted me to ask you, how is the public supposed to trust those DPH COVID numbers when A, home tests aren't included, and B, doctors are being told not to report the results of home tests? Well, I don't think that's true. Nobody's being told don't report any results. I know two different people who've had doctors tell them not to report. There's no reason for that. I mean, we want to get the most accurate information we can. To your bigger point, though, um, people aren't going to PCR tests, which is easy to monitor. You know, 90-plus percent of people are doing it now with at-home tests. Tougher to monitor. The good news is, as you point out, Wayne, definitely we're on the backside of that curve for now, knock on wood. And if this is anything like last year, hopefully February and March are better than December and January, so we're making progress. You made an announcement regarding the future of materials and waste management, a series of waste management proposals that you'll be introducing during this legislative session to address the future of materials and waste management. Tell me more about that. Yeah, it's really one of the sexy parts of uh, my job is uh, what do you do about the waste? You leave it at the curb. What happens to it from there? We were burning it, as you maybe remember. That's the material waste management facility. That's closed down. That would have been $400 million to um, upgrade. So right now we're trying to get as much out of the waste stream as we can. That starts with um, bottles and cans and plastics and organics. And uh, for that rest right now that's being shipped to uh, out-of-state landfills, we'll probably come up with a solution in terms of um, other ways to dispose of that, probably the next generation of trash to energy over the next couple of years. Yeah, that's something you and I haven't talked about in our occasional discussions here. And yesterday, you announced the launch of a fund to assist renters from being evicted from homes due to overdue rent. How does that work? That works with the fact that um, I, I want to make sure that um, landlords aren't pushing out renters just because they think they can get a better price from somebody. Uh, this is a, a cold day in January. i got to make sure people can stay in their homes. So we're providing some temporary assistance, uh, especially for those folks who have come into hard times, help them stay in their home, and help keep our uh, landlords solvent. And to apply, tenants must call the Unite CT Call Center at 1-844-864-8328 to be screened for eligibility. Back on January 20th, the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, both you and Lieutenant Governor Bysiewicz made some thoughts about the significance of that. What were your thoughts on the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade? Look, I think it's very uh, important that we continue to protect our rights. There's always a government overreach trying to take away our rights. Um, we thought Roe v. Wade was established law 50 years ago. And then we found out this past summer that um, that was a right that was uh, going to be compromised or taken away, at least on a state-by-state basis. 
So Susan and I just wanted to uh, reinforce, um, not in Connecticut, um, your rights are going to be protected here. Back on January 18th, you held a news conference in Hartford to announce your first legislative proposal of 2023, which includes restoring Connecticut's pass-through entity tax credit to its original revenue-neutral level of 93% and enabling small business owners in the state to save money by claiming a larger credit on their personal returns. For the local small business owners, that sounds like a big deal, isn't it? It really is, Wayne. Um, When they uh, cap the amount of uh, state and local tax you can deduct from the federal government, that really hammered a lot of our small businesses that are not a corporation. So we wanted to do everything we could to make them whole, and that's why we've uh, you know reinstituted or increased the, uh, that credit. So you are whole in the state of Connecticut. No additional tax for you. And lastly, it's the first time that you and I have talked since the tragic death of State Representative Quentin Q. Williams. You had the state flags drop to half staff because of that. He was a rising star. What were your thoughts on Quentin? Look, uh, I love that guy, and um, we spent a lot of time talking about education, innovative education, where he was a strong believer. You know, last I saw him was at our inaugural ball there on January 4th, and um, then he was hit head-on by a wrong-way driver, one of those accidents that's um, increasingly happening in the middle of the night. Uh, often uh, alcohol is, uh, is related there, and my heart goes out. Uh, the outpouring, you realize we are a family here in Connecticut, Wayne. And I saw, I went to the memorial service. I, I was there for the event where we remembered at the state capitol. Everybody was there to remember Q. Governor, I truly appreciate our periodic visits. Thank you for joining me this morning. See you soon, Wayne. Thanks, everybody. That's Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont, our guest on 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.